A couple of months ago, I was sitting in my office. I got a call from David Gist from Bread for the World to make an appointment to see me. I had just been finishing Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow, and uh, David wanted to talk, and I knew he was concerned with food uh, issues, and suddenly I realized he was talking about mass incarceration. And so we decided we would forge ahead with uh, today. I just want to introduce David. David, would you just stand for a second? David is going to be leading us in, uh, thank you, David. He's going to be leading us in today's um, forum after church. And when I asked him about a speaker today, unreservedly, he said, we've got to talk to Delante. Um, so I met with um, David and Delante and David's living room. He is just this uh, spirit-filled and um, talented musician and preacher. I'm going to invite him up in just a second. Um, in the meantime, the United Church of Christ passed two resolutions on mass incarceration, one called Dismantling the New Jim Crow, and another is Dismantling Systems of Mass Incarceration. There are copies of that out in the narthex for you to take as well. And uh, so um, this is just a topic that we need to be talking about. So you can read more about Delante in today's bulletin, but without further ado, I want you to please welcome Delante Goldston. Come on. Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. I give honor first to, to God and uh, want to thank you, Paul, so much for welcoming me to this hour uh, to preach this word uh, here at this sacred uh, desk. Um, I give you greetings from my pastor, uh, Pastor Kevin Ha at New City Church, uh, where I serve in downtown Los Angeles. I uh, certainly want to thank David for connecting Paul and I. We had a great time together, uh, just getting to know each other. Look forward to continuing to get to know you, my brother. Uh, and I do also want to acknowledge my honey, Claire, my girlfriend, who's, who, who wrote with us uh, on the way. Thank you, honey, for being here and for your support. Uh, good morning to each of you. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We're going to uh, look at uh, Mark, uh, at Mark's gospel in the fifth chapter uh, verse 1. Why don't you read along with me, uh, if, you, if you would, if you brought a Bible with you. <laughs> How about I read it for your hearing? <laughs> Wrong church. <laughs> Amen. I, I, I did bring mine. Let's, let's read it together. Fantastic. Uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 1, reads as follows. They came to the other side. Somebody say, other side. Okay, you're going to be with me this morning, all right? They came to the other side of the sea, uh, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. Uh, he lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. And he saw Jesus from a distance and ran and bowed down before him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, 
Jesus did, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly to send them out, to not send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. And Jesus, uh, they came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had the legion. And they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac uh, and to the swine reported it. And then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by the demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, go home. Somebody say, go home, go home. to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Won't you pray with me, please? Ah, Lord Jesus, we need you this morning to do more than um, have us break our own chains. Father, we need you to come by your mercy and make us free make us whole. Do it, Lord. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So our text begins this morning in Mark chapter 5, after Mark chapter 4, where Jesus and the disciples have just crossed the Sea of Galilee. And those of you who are familiar or are students of Scripture will remember that Jesus is able to simply calm this storm by saying three words. James Cleveland coined them in a song. It just says, peace be still. So the disciples and Jesus have crossed over the Sea of Galilee to find us where we are in our text this morning. They have crossed over to the other side. Somebody say to the other side. Yes, they've crossed over to the other side. You know, those of you who are students of the Bible will remember that whenever we find in the text that God is calling us to the other side, that change, as my sister said, is a gonna come. There's freedom that is on the way. Oh, you remember Moses when God heard the cries of his people of the oppression in Egypt. He called a man uh, named Moses, remember? And he led them in, he called them in Exodus chapter 3, and I believe he led them in Exodus chapter 14 to cross to the other side. Somebody say other side. And you remember, of course, that Joshua, the successor of Moses, was, I believe it's in, uh, uh, in, in Judges chapter 5, it's, we find Joshua, the, the next generation, Joshua, whose name Yeshua means just like Jesus, Savior, leads the next generation of followers of the, of the Most High God to the other side. Somebody say other side. 
to the other side of the Jordan because we know that on the other side there is freedom there. On the other side there is joy there. On the other side there is hope. On the other side a change is going to come. And so we find in our text this morning, are you still with me? We find in our text this morning that Jesus and the disciples have been led to the other side of the sea. Uh, how many of you realize this morning that Jesus is still calling his disciples to the other side? Paul, I believe that they are still being called, we are still being called to the other side of the sea of our theological divides. I'm talking about the other side. I said, I believe we are still being called to the other side of the sea of our ideological and political divides. I, I believe that we are still being called to the other side of the sea of even our income and educational and class divides. Jesus is calling us to the other side. Say other side. And when they get to the other side, there is no welcoming party there. There is no red carpet let, up, let out for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. No, there is a demon-possessed man. Lord, have mercy. Paul told me I wasn't even allowed to talk about demons in this church. But God, but God, God, God messed with me, and I tried to find another text, but this text kept calling my name. And, and when Jesus gets to the other side, we find a man who has a history of being chained and being broken free and chained and broken free, chained and broken free. We see on the other side uh, uh, Jesus who has only had a, a Jewish ministry up until this point. It's a comfortable ministry. It's a ministry where he's Jewish. His disciples are Jewish. The people he learns from in the synagogue are Jewish. Uh, the people who he heals up until this point in his ministry are Jewish. But Jesus is calling us to the other side, and we find on the other side, other, say other side, we find on the other side a man who is demon-possessed in a cycle of chains, in a cycle of incarceration, in a cycle of being in bondage and being set free. And so I see in the text this morning four chains that Jesus comes to set us free. Is that all right if I share them with you this morning? I'll share them and I'll take my seat. First, Jesus wants to break the chains of abuse and violence that we see in our systems of justice. I said, Jesus wants to break the chains of abuse and of violence that we see in our systems of justice. You recall in the story that both Sarah and I have read in your hearing, thank you, Sarah. Uh, you recall in the story that Jesus, after he calls the demons out of this man, then says what? He says, what is your name? And the man's reply, is my name is Legion. Or oh, I find it interesting that this man, the demons in this man, identify themselves as the force, the, the main tool of state-sponsored military oppression. His name is Legion, that force of Roman authority that can manhandle you, that can police you, that enforces the rule, whether just or unjust, the rule of empire. I'm, I'm talking about Legion. Go ahead, say Legion. Legion. We're talking about Legion. He is the one who can drag your 
14-year-old black female body by the hair, sit his entire force, the entire force of his weight upon you when you just came to a pool party in McKinney, Texas at the end of your school year. I'm talking about legion, say legion. Oh, I'm talking about Legion. I'm talking about the one who has the power to shoot you dead if you are a 12-year-old boy playing on the swings in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, and, and happen to have a toy gun in your hand. I'm talking about Legion. Say Legion. Legion has the power to shoot you in the back in handcuffs if you are in South Central LA, even though your entire community knows that you suffer with mental illness, Azel Ford. Somebody say Legion. I'm talking, say Legion. Are oh, you still with me? Somebody uh, is talking about the, the one who has the power to beat you to death. I heard the story of the homeless man in Fullerton right here in Orange County. Legion has the ability to beat you to death and then have the nerve to not even be charged with murder. I'm talking about Legion. Say Legion. Legion has the power to shoot you dead if you have mental illness or are addicted to drugs or happen to be homeless as the man was in Skid Row and in Venice. I'm talking about Legion. Say Legion. Legion has the power to stun you, Sandra Bland, has the power to force you out of the car when you are stopped on a routine traffic stop. And Legion has the power to lie to his superiors about it, and you are the one that ends up dead three days later. I'm talking about Legion. And yes, Legion does disproportionately exert his authority and her authority upon black bodies. But lest you be confused, the Legion is not only interested in people that look like me, there are white faces and names, and Latino faces and names, and gay and straight faces and names, and Asian faces and names, all who find their name on an infamous list of those who are victimized by Legion. Are you with me this morning? Victims of Legion, if they are not humiliated or killed, they are given mandatory minimums and they are shipped off to live like this man was among the tombs. To us, they are as good as dead. They are out of sight. They are out of mind. And I'm here this morning to tell you that Jesus has come, as he did in our text this morning, to free us from the chains of abuse and violence as exercise in our systems of justice. That's not all. Jesus is also here to free us from the chains this morning, the chains of self-inflicted wounds. Somebody say self-inflicted wounds. Oh, thank God you're still with me. Amen. You're not going to fall asleep on me this morning. <laughs> we know, of course, that our communities continue to be tormented by self inflicted wounds. Yes, we familiarly hear of those self-inflicted wounds that we call black-on-black -black violence as we realize that 90% of the victims of black-on-black -black violence are black perpetrators. We realize, of course, we don't hear this as frequently in the media cycle, but that white-on-white -white violence is also a very common phenomenon as 84% of white victims are killed by white Perpetrators And the statistics in the list go on and on, are if they are Latino, if they are 
gay, if they are straight, if they are Asian, etc. We find in our society self-inflicted wounds. Somebody say self-inflicted wounds. Jesus wants to free us from the chains of self-inflicted wounds of drug addiction and drug trafficking. We now know that half, half of the people that are incarcerated in our country are incarcerated due to crimes related related to drug addiction or drug trafficking. Now listen, I grew up in the 1980s, I'm 35 years old, and I'm here to tell you I have a brother who was incarcerated who was a drug dealer in Anacostia in D.C., but I assure you that there are only two winners of this so-called war on drugs. That That is drug kingpins, three, drug kingpins, drug cartels, and the prison industry. These are the only winners of the war on drugs. The chains of incarceration, friends, simply do not work on people who have an addiction. Jesus comes to heal us and free us from the chains of self-inflicted wounds. Say self-inflicted wounds. And so this man is in chains and out of chains and in chains and out of chains. And when he's out of chains, he's bruising himself with self-inflicted wounds. That's not all, friends. Jesus is also here in our text and in our midst this morning to free us from the chains of mental illness. Look, we cannot responsibly read this text, a text like this in this day and age, and not see that this is a man who is dealing with some form of mental illness. Truth be told, how on earth can we expect to live terrorized in a society with state-sponsored abuse and violence and not be expected to experience some kind of trauma, some kind of mental illness. Jesus comes to free us from the chains of mental illness. Carter G. Woodson, that great historian from Harvard who, for whom we now celebrate uh, Black History Month, he once wrote, that you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to, once you, once, you t- once you teach, in this case, once you teach black people to go to the back of the restaurant, once you leave them alone and tell them to go build a restaurant, they're just gonna build a restaurant with the back door in it. It's self-inflicted wounds. It's a form, at times, of mental illness. Look, friends, we're beginning to hurt ourselves. We don't need any help from Legion anymore. Self-inflicted wounds, mental illness. 55% on average of the people who are in local, state, and federal prisons have some form of mental illness. Just yesterday, I was with a deputy sheriff on a radio show uh, who has over 30 years of experience in South Central Los Angeles. He was on his way to yet another peace rally where Maxine Waters and other local uh, officials would come to try to bring attention to the need for a truce between warring gangs because yet another uh, young man had fallen victim to gang violence in South Central Los Angeles. And this uh, officer, this deputy sheriff, was visibly grieved by what he called a, a culture of trauma, a culture of PTSD. We're all experiencing it. I I happen to have experienced it in my own life growing up in in D.C. where, you know, we we regularly saw people dying in pools of their own blood, where I regularly went to bed 
countless nights to an endless soundtrack of guns, gunshots, and sirens, and police helicopters. How can you not expect to experience some kind of trauma? And look, I'm not looking for pity. This is not just my story. This is our story. Have you watched the news lately? We are all experiencing some kind of trauma. 80% of the, of the people who are involved in these kinds of shootings as we've seen in Charleston and in Lafayette and in Chattanooga, 80% of these uh, shooters are white suburban men. 97% are men. That's another sermon for another time, I guess, about the violence of a culture of unchecked, wounded egos. Guys, we need some help. Jesus, he comes to free us from the chains of an abusive and violent state-sponsored violence. He comes to free us from the cycles of self-inflicted wounds. He comes to free us from the chains of mental illness. But Jesus also comes to free us uh, from our fear. He comes to free us from our fear by bringing us grace and mercy and restoration. You'll remember in the text, of course, that when Jesus comes and heals the demoniac, you remember the people said, the text said the people were afraid. They asked Jesus to leave his neighborhood their neighborhood. This is the hard part, friends, for those of us who uh, see ourselves as good Christians, as those of us, we know the right causes uh, to support, we know the propositions that we should support, we know the legislators that we should write, we know the right stances on the issues, and we can deceive ourselves at times into thinking that we don't need God's mercy that we don't need God's grace. It's our positions that make us holy. It's our doctrine that makes us right. It's our theology. It's our stance for the issues. It's our mission trips. It's our giving to the right charity. It's our likes on the right posts on Facebook and Twitter that make us holy. But what happens when the demoniacs among us, what happens when the ill among us, what happens when the incarcerated among us are actually set free and called home? Will we let them come home? Or we know how to support the right issue, but will we let them cross over to the sea of our Irvine suburbs? Or will we dump them into Skid Row, as I see on a regular basis, where municipalities regularly dump their mentally ill and their returning citizens into our community where we have to care for them. No, this is our family. These are our brothers, these are our nephews, these are our husbands and ex-husbands. They belong to us. We are not to leave them in the tombs as, as though they are dead. They have been healed once, once the legislation has been passed, once the, the officers have done their time and changed their ways. Once the people who have addictions have received treatment, once the mentally ill have gone to therapy and they are healed, will we let them come home? Jesus says, go home. Or will we simply hide behind our good doctrine, our right positions? What if, 
What if? What if just as much as those people need healing? What if we? What if we need healing? What if? What if, what if just as much as those people need our help? What if we need to hear the good news of the gospel? What if we're the ones that are sick? What if we are complicit in legion? What if we are the ones who need someone who has been healed to come and preach the gospel of God's mercy unto us? So our text this morning began by saying that there was a man who went in and out of chains, in and out of chains, hurting himself. But Jesus in the end restores him and tells him, go home. Somebody say, go home. Go home. Jesus restores him and says, go home and tell your friends how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. So the, the healing, friends, is really for us. It's really so that we can believe in a Jesus who loves us enough to come to the other side of the sea for us that we might hear the good news. Paul writes in Galatians 5, 1, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We don't get to break our own chains. We tried that, but we end up back and forth, in and out, thinking that through our effort, through our works, through our good works, that we can break the chains. No, Jesus has come to set us free. And so Mark ends this passage this morning by saying, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that's 10 cities in that area, how much Jesus had done for him and everyone was amazed. He made the healed person a missionary to come to us. And so Jesus comes to the other side. Say, other side. side. Jesus comes to the other side to heal our broken systems, to heal our self-inflicted wounds, to heal our sin-sick souls with the power of the gospel. Jesus comes to the other side so that we will see his mercy and be amazed. Amen. Do I have time to sing a little bit, Paul, or do we need to go? All right, David. There's a song that um, I want to share with you all. Tasha Cobbs is an artist in the Atlanta area, uh, and she does a great rendition of this song. It simply says, there is power in the name of Jesus. Since the church in Antioch, we who are Christians have been known by the name of Jesus. Christ, Christians, we are known as the anointed ones. So this is not some hocus pocus, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the demons out. We are the name of Jesus. God's people bears his name. And this song says there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain. 
Says, but I'm gonna try. <laughs> there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, 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 to break every chain. Would you sing it with me? There is power in the name of Jesus. I hear you. There is power in the name of Jesus, oh, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, 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 to break every chain. Why don't you put your hand in your heart and just say, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain. Break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Amen. Thank God. <laughs> 